Welcome to the Meat and Potatoes Podcast. Today we're here with Bruce Beheimer, who's the CEO of Samaritan Technologies, and Keith Leonard, who is the VP of Operations and Client Services. How are you, gentlemen? Oh, we're doing great. Good, thank glad, you. Yeah, glad to be here. All right, we're uh, going to talk about something cool, and I don't believe we've talked about it in this amount of detail on this podcast, uh, but I think we'll discover that it's, a, uh, although it's a niche industry, it's very important and bigger than people think. Um, and it revolves around volunteers, but, uh, let's, let's just get the story of Samaritan. How we started. Yeah. How the company got going. You know, first I probably ought to state that neither Keith or I are founders of the company or people that the founders brought early in early on or, or midway through the company. And then, and then they've moved on to do other things. Um, but the company was originally founded by a guy who was, a a, a, a he was a, Nonprofit administration manager, uh, major at BYU. And he wrote a senior, senior thesis about what it would take to start what's called a volunteer center in St. George. And then when he graduated, his thesis advisor said, well, go do it. And that's what he did. And then he got down to St. George and he goes, oh, there's all these little nonprofits. And none of them are taking advantage of the technology that's available. And he recruited a a young guy he knew pretty much just out of high school to help him crank out a kind of a PC Windows version of something to write some software. And uh, they started serving the company that way and then realized St. George just wasn't the center of the world to go do their business from, and they ended up moving up to Salt Lake City and things. And then uh, recruited me, and uh, I have a background. Um, I, uh, I worked as a... Um, in a variety of different positions for a company called Stack years ago. It's ancient history and, and things like that. But uh, I have a background in technology from being a programmer to marketing product managers and things like that. And he'd recruited me. I'd left that company, started working on an MBA. And uh, he learned through a long contorted chain of family and friends and stuff about me and and said, would you come help? And so, yeah, I decided to start. Uh, I was looking for a project to take on. And uh, I thought, well, this is a good thing. Helps the world. Hopefully you can make a little money and do some good and have some fun. And, well, here I am 24 years later still doing it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So And so, yeah, we moved up here and things like that. Had that Windows-based version of software and learn, and realized pretty early on be honest, probably earlier than most of our uh, the other people in the industry that we needed something web based. So we're a SaaS solution, you know, software as a service, and uh, yeah, now we've grown to. Although we've grown, I mean, we're still tiny. We're a little thirty person company and things like that. But that's kind of how we ended up getting up here, and uh, and they've moved. As I said, the founders have all moved on and everything. But we uh, we've keep the thing alive. And actually, to be honest, um, we. We do some pretty interesting things. Yeah. And what are those things, Keith? Sure. So the our purpose is to try and actually create software as a, a single solution for volunteer coordinators. So a lot of people don't think about it. When we meet the average person, they say, so what do you do for a living? We say, we build volunteer management software. Almost always the next question is, what's that? Yeah. Um, and so we are basically HR software for volunteers. Um, this, the idea is that we're an all-in-one solution. So whether you start from the very beginning, I need to recruit a volunteer. Once I've recruited them, I'm going to bring them into an application, a registration process. Once they're volunteering, um, if they're part of a group, 
for an individual, you treat them differently. You have to keep track of what they're doing. You need metrics, and, and you also need to make sure that they're compliant. So that's what led us into the hospital world where compliance, you know, is to be a volunteer, to get in the door of a hospital, you have to go through multiple steps just like an employee would. Um, and so we've become, we've become known the onboarding company. So uh, whether you're, you know, you can compare us to something like an applicant tracking system, a surveying system, a scheduling system, we're all those things all in one. Yeah. And uh, what industries do you serve? You know, that, that is a really, there's a lot of depth to that question. Um, and, and the reason is, you know, when people look at volunteerism, you kind of tend to think of it monolithically, typically in regard to whatever volunteerism you've done. And what people don't realize is the way volunteers are used is as diverse as all of industry, everything. And you might be, it, whether you volunteer um, for college credit for a class that you've got where you have some sort of internship, or maybe you're going out doing a beach cleanup, or maybe you're um, volunteering in a hospital, um, all, these, all these kind of organizations have hugely different needs in terms of the way they track, manage, and schedule their volunteers. And, uh, and we used to do that. We used to try to serve the broad market. And, and, you know, our strategy isn't uh, that unique in that we realized it's too hard to be all things to all people. Our, our, our client base includes entire state governments. We've had um, entire branches of the military worldwide, all locations. Uh, we've had Fortune 100 companies as our clients. Again, worldwide, all locations, every office that they have. Um, and we found, like I said, it's just too hard to be all things to all people. We're very much a high-touch kind of company. We have competitors that are, you put in your credit card on their website, pay them 50 bucks a month. They never answer the phone. They have done everything they can possibly can to re, uh, reduce the amount of manual labor that's involved to drive their costs down. And that's a, certainly a valid strategy. And for me, I've never wanted to be uh, have a company where at the bottom end, the only way you can compete is on price, right? It's just such a dogfight down there. And for me, uh, the strategy has always been to uni offer some sort of unique values where if you need that thing, we're the only place you can come get it. And what we found, uh, at least where we've been uh, working, is very high touch. So polar opposite of what I just described a moment ago, where, you know, you put in your credit card and you never interact. We will fly, at least pre-pandemic, we would fly to people's locations to go meet with them, learn their business processes, and then re-engineer, uh, help them know how to re take advantage of what we have to help re-engineer their business processes and build in efficiencies that they never have. And lots and lots of human interaction in what we do. Very high touch. And what we found is there are certain niches where that is really, really beneficial and really helpful that we are uniquely um, positioned to take advantage of. Um, some things, you know, are, are really easy. Some things are more challenging uh, in terms of how you use those volunteers. You know, there are organizations where you just show up, sign some waiver that says, you can take my picture, you can do a photo, uh, take a photo of me, right? Um, 
if I hurt myself, cut my foot or something, I'm not going to sue you. Um, and then you go do what you're going to do, sign in, record your time, sign out. And then there's others like uh, the hospital market and healthcare where from the time you say, hey, I think I'd like to volunteer, it might be three months before you can start. You got to have a background check. You're going to have to have vaccinations, COVID, flu. You're going to have to go get HIPAA training. Um, you might need letters of references, criminal background checks. It's a massive amount of work. We found healthcare is like that. And we are found ourselves to be particularly well suited to that area because it's so much work to actually make that happen. Yeah. So beach cleanup all the way to like hospital, both noble. Um, I was on the RBC Canadian Open golf tournament website to see who the field was so I could make a few bets. Uh, and they had right at the top volunteer, right? Um, and we've, we do some golf tournaments. And I'm thinking, that is somebody's job to manage all of those volunteers. And I'm like, I wonder what their onboarding process is like. They obviously need to know golf, when to hold up the signs to be quiet, right? Like uh, identify any uh, hecklers. Um, and I didn't envy whoever's job it was to coordinate those volunteers. Yeah, that's an example of part of the market space. So about 23% of volunteerism is actually in fundraising. And so um, fund foundations are, are one of the type of market that we serve. And that is very much what you just described. So they're going to be um, they're going to be recruiting volunteers who are both trained and untrained volunteers. So simple volunteers who might be runners to a, a coach, for example. And so they'll go through different processes. And, and our software is what you would use to manage all that. Yeah. In those cases as well, the other big question becomes scheduling. So, um, you know, while we work, as you heard, you know, the hospitals have been kind of uh, because of the complexity, the level of complexity in hospitals, we find ourselves very, very well tuned to that market space during the pandemic um, where volunteerism stopped happening. Um, at the pandemic, everyone kind of stopped and said, "What well, you know, closed their shops. Um, however, at the same time, health departments suddenly became massive uh, volunteer uh, locations. And we happen to work with health departments. So as you mentioned, we work with federal, state, county governments, city governments as well. And the health departments, um, it turned to, the, you know, they were the emergency management during pandemics, um, during health um, disasters. And so we found ourselves working with a lot of different hospitals. At one point in the pandemic in January, um, when the first wave of, of uh, vaccinations were occurring, uh, we saw 11% of all vaccinations in the, in the country were done at sites where they were using our software to schedule their, their it's a combination of employees and volunteers. So it was, you know, we... At, at, at Samaritan, we would live through this kind of experience where every single day we went to work. Um, my son actually, my mom, my, my, my mom, excuse me, my wife asked, my son asked my wife, why is dad you know, gone so much? And she thought for a minute, she said, well, dad's like a hero. So he made little superhero badges for everyone at work. And mm -hmm. so during the pandemic, we were little superheroes helping to basically vaccinate and get us out of that pandemic. So when everyone wanted to you know, get out of their homes, it's like we got to get do something. So we were lucky and proud to be part of that. Yeah. And that's a big number, you know, 11%, because uh, logistically, that was a big undertaking, right? Somebody's got to make it. Well, somebody's got to figure out how to make it and then make it and then distribute it to Shots and several hundred million. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, at one point, there's, if you add up our clientele, it works out to about 14 million people in the country under jurisdiction served by people using our software to manage volunteers. Right. Uh, for specifically for the vaccinations and everything. Yeah. 
Yeah. It, it, it's really interesting. Uh, it, it, you know, again, we are this little company. We're, we're 30 people-ish, right? And yet, um, you know, it, it's funny. You get involved in things like the vaccine, you know, these vaccinations and the pandemic. As I mentioned, we've had um, entire branches of the military as clients, and we've had meetings. Our staff has met with the joint, with the vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. We've had people demonstrating our software to to Biden back when he was vice president. Mm-hmm. We've had Keith here has traveled to Guam to go help with an installation of our software there, and it's really just amazing for the tiny little company we have, the places that we get involved with. Yeah. Uh, on yeah. uh, an estimate is a billion a billion people volunteer in the world. Yeah. So it's everywhere. Well, you know, the U.S. has a large uh, percentage of, of volunteer work being done. It happens all throughout the world. Yeah. So, yeah, it's uh, one of the things that's unique about Samaritan is we are a software company, right? We are a software company from 1997, so early, early on, uh, yeah. probably before the slopes, right? Yeah. Um, but we are... Um, so, so we're this little company that's been around for years and years and years, but we every single day you get to go to work and think about the difference you're making. Yeah. Um, so as we talk about, you know, and I'm always impressed with, you know, companies, governments, you know, they do wonderful things, but it's it's nice to know every day. You know, our purpose is to promote and increase volunteerism in the world. Yeah. So, you know, and our software makes it easier for our clients to basically manage larger and larger volunteer forces. Yeah. So. yeah. And volunteering is critical as you guys know better than anyone, um, America was kind of founded on volunteering. Um, And, uh, you know, for those that have volunteered and it's just a boondoggle, they might not go back next year, right? So the volunteers need to have a good experience and uh, have faith that the organizers are squared away. Um, It's probably a lot easier to be squared away if they're using your guys' products and software. but if they can count on, like, I'm going to volunteer every year to clean this beach or to clean this highway or to give shots or interpret, that's a good ROI for the companies using your software, right? Yeah, it is. It is. You know, a, a lot of them measure have a metric that they measure, which is the, the value of, a, of an hour of volunteer service, right? And, you know, there are organizations, there's a, a particular city in California that uses... 20 to around actually 30,000 volunteers a year. And 20 of those, 20,000 of them in parks and rec. People like to be outside, right? And do things outside and it's yeah. fun and stuff like that. But they figure that uh, those volunteers help the city provide an additional $10 million a year in services that the city could not do otherwise. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's a, it's a great contribution. And you know, you look at what you do to, I mean, we live in the greatest country in the world, right? And you and a lot of us are born here. And you say, like, what can I do to give back to to all that I've received just by being here, right? And yeah, we all pay our taxes. But another way is to give your time and talent and say, I'm going to do something to contribute to, yeah. to where I'm at. So yeah, the volunteer thing really makes a difference. Yeah, the U.S. the estimate in ni- in 2016, so a couple of years ago, was uh, was 193 billion dollars in volunteer service given in a year. Yeah. What's interesting though is volunteer service is actually declining. So um, you know, it's most common that volunteer service happens in the age group between 33 and 45. Um, it's least common in uh, folks in their 20s. You know, obviously they're in college, just starting work, often working crazy hours. Um, but yeah, they're 
there is there is a need and a push for uh, new volunteerism to keep continue that in Utah. We especially you know see it here. There's a huge you know I think over and over again Utah is the number one state in volunteerism. And part of that's because volunteerism seventy three percent of all volunteerism happens outside of an organization. People helping their neighbors. Yeah. Right. So paying it forward, which is a great as well. But yeah, when you're an organization and you need to manage and you need to have it collected and, and, and to organize, whether it be for compliance or liability, yeah, you need software. And so we, we've always seen, you know, as you can, you know, as a Samaritan, you know, we take our we take our name from the story. Um, we're trying to help basically. We realize though we're not the good Samaritans. Our volunteers that, that serve are the other actual good Samaritans. We're here like a beast of burden, like a donkey. Yeah. to actually just help people along. So we we look at our software as as a facilitator to make that happen, to make volunteerism happen. Yeah. yeah. Now not not everybody would need our stuff, right? I mean, if you're using running a um, you're coaching a soccer team or something like that, we're way overkill. You really have to reach a level of probably a minimum of about 500 volunteers, you know, and our clients range from about that level all the way up to ones that manage a quarter million volunteers. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and they'll have organizations like that will have two to 300 volunteer coordinators working, you know, coordinating all those people. And, yeah, the people, you know, you do want to, you mentioned, you know, how you might come back and maybe we do it again and stuff like that, right? And those organizations, um, uh, some of them are school districts, right? They do do that. They, they, you know, maybe you go volunteer in your kid's class when they're in second grade, you know, and then when they move on, you wait till your next child gets to that age again, and then you go volunteer in their class again and things like that, right? Yeah. And and in those kind of same things, too, you have to track a bunch of things. Like there again, when you're working with vulnerable populations like children, seniors, disabled people, you'll do those background checks. You'll qualify people, and you'll redo those background checks Maybe each year, yeah, just to make sure that no issues have arisen with people, and then yeah, you got to keep track of that, yeah, right, and you need a system. So yeah, that's where we fall in. Yeah, and I love that um, you know we're hitting on a few things here. One, it feels good to volunteer. Uh, there's a huge economic impact. Um, I was in New York a few years ago and just on the subway talking to somebody, and they had volunteered for thirty plus years at the New York Marathon, and it was a pretty big deal to them. Right, they loved it. They look forward to it. Um, their life was enriched immensely, right? And the people putting on the marathon had a much better ROI and saved a ton of money and everything uh, and everyone benefited. So um, you guys mentioned, you know, like you did serve a, quite a large group of folks, different industries and stuff, but realized it's probably better to focus on, on a few. Um, so, and then 500 Volunteers, kind of a minimum. Um, when a company reaches out to you, what is kind of the onboarding process? How do you guys figure out if it's a good fit? Well, that's that's really good. Yeah, I mean, you look at the capabilities that we have, right? And is it a good match? Again, our, ours tend to be a higher clientele in, in terms of their revenue. They have to have a large thing. It's a, it's a great thing too to go look at their website. Because if you're an organization that has the value of your website and your branding there is important to you, then you're likely to be a good client of ours. If it turns out that you look at their website and you go, mm, they really don't have a, a strong presence there unless they want to increase it. Because we, we take our stuff and we make it match the look and feel. As I told you, we also try to match their, their processes as well. 
And as Keith said, it's their onboarding. If they have a complex onboarding process, yeah, then that's where we are. Just as he said, we're similar to applicant tracking kind of areas and things like that. Really look at the, there's a capacity maturity model, which talks about how organizations mature over time and the complexity increases. So generally we don't find large, you know, small organizations or new organizations. They're doing most of it on paper. Mm -hmm. It's really as they're moving off of paper, um, very commonly actually we're their second acquisition of a software, um, They've, they've tried one of the ones just Bruce described, an easy kind of cookie cutter, and now they're looking for something a little bit unique. Um, in accounting, if, I, if you were hired as an accountant, you really, you're, you're asked the question, are we do using the international standard or the U.S. You know, gap standard? In volunteerism, there is no standard. So when we talk to a client, a lot of what we do in the sales process is first asking them about their processes. Um, we're really trying to kind of s- find a solution the right for them to make sure we partner well so we'll ask them a lot of questions about how they're, they're uh, managing their volunteers. Um, as Bruce said, it, it focuses a lot on onboarding. So a lot of the clients uh, we first work with are really doing a process improvement. So as we interview them and go through that process, we're learning where we could find some inefficiencies and can help them by, by using software to do that. So um, some of the techniques um, are not necessarily innovative in the industry. You know, we're not doing blockchain you know, we're helping them with integrations. We're making sure, for example, uh, with background checks. A lot of folks are doing background checks manually. Um, we integrate with background check providers all the time. By doing that, we save their time. So one of our purposes is to, to basically help them manage people and not paper. Um, they're spending way too much time with that. So we try to basically, you know, find where their in- inefficiencies are and streamline it. Yeah, it's really interesting. You go visit some of these people's... And, this is anecdotal, but it's true. It's just so true. You go to these these volunteer managers, um, often in hospitals and, and things like that, and they have these manila folders on their desk, and there'll be a stack for people that of applications that they have to review, and then there's another stack of people that uh, need to be interviewed, and another stack that need their background check, and another stack that need their HIPAA training, and they just move the folders from stack to stack to stack massive amounts of of um, paperwork. In fact, you know, when you look to what makes a business case for us, particularly in healthcare and, and in hospitals, it, 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 it's really interesting to see that there's a strong business case. When you, in a hospital, as we mentioned, it's a massive amount of work to come on board. Um, the other thing is that they are heavily regulated. There's an organization called the Joint Commission that comes into hospitals and audits this stuff. The way they do it is they walk in and they at random pick somebody they see in the hospital and they go, that guy over there. And then they follow that person to every single person, piece of equipment, process, procedure that that person is exposed to while they're in the hospital and they audit those things. And if something is out of line, the hospital has 90 days to fix it or they lose their certification as a hospital. So there's, so there's massive amount of work here involved, paperwork, bureaucracy, that kind of stuff that has to be addressed. It's important, every aspect of it, strong regulation of it. We picked healthcare also because healthcare is, in general, non-cyclical, right? With these, the economy goes up and down, unlike the auto industry or houses, Healthcare people's always paying, and it's pretty well funded. Mm-hmm. So, being well funded, non cyclical, heavy, he, uh, a massive amount of need, 
and strong regulation to enforce that goes, there's a pretty good business case right there. And so, you know, that's where we found that a focus really helps. And we fit that need and we focus there. And, and we're having pretty good success at it. We, we made that decision about three years ago. We, however, the pandemic was a bit of a wake up for us because in healthcare, um, when, that, when the pandemic hit, uh, all of a sudden, all the hospitals can't do elective surgeries. And that's where they make their money is on the elective stuff and they can't do it. And then beyond that, the volunteers don't want to go to the hospital because that's where all the people that have COVID are. Right. Right. So all of a sudden they're shutting down their volunteer programs and everything. And, and it was a bit of a concern to us, you know, when that happened and, and how's that going to work and everything. And then it turns out that what we make actually helps out in the pandemic. And if we found that when healthcare drops, at least in a pandemic, fortunately we make, there's another side to what we make and what we do where we can step in, help out, and, and we have, you know, we have, as Keith mentioned, county governments that, that do this stuff. We have the largest major metropolitan centers in the United States as clients, entire state governments as clients. And these people step up in these kind of events. And it actually really nicely filled in when we had the decline on the, the, the hospital side. Then public health just picked up and it was, it, it was really complimentary. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, you guys know off the top of your head how many volunteers there were for the 2002 Olympics here? It's got to be several, tens many, of thousands, right? Ago, but yes. Yeah, but that's what made it work, right? Yeah. I mean, when Romney took over, he said, you know, we're not going to, he, he said, we, you people, he, he recruited volunteers and brought them in. And that made a whole difference in the whole economics of that Olympics. I remember it was yeah. huge. Yeah. It's huge. That came out in the, in the black where as many... Cities that got out of the red. Yeah, almost nobody runs an Olympics right. profitably. Right. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. Well, this has been a great story, and uh, I've learned a lot, and I really appreciate you both uh, taking the time to, to join us today. And congrats on what you guys have built and are currently building. So thank you. Thanks. We're excited. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah.